0: Hey everybody! Real quick, before we get kicked off, Phil's going to mention a spot in the middle talking about a wellness clinic concept, and he says four to five thousand dollars a year in revenue, which is obviously a misstatement. It's supposed to be four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in revenue with a low cost of entry, which is pretty cool and a little bit more exciting. But just want to make that clear. Uh, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host Isaiah Douglas. Today I'm joined by a repeat guest, which I'm excited to chat with again, Dr. Phil Zeltzman. Phil, I would call you a polymath. You have a lot of different things that you're very wise and sage on, and you're also a veterinary surgeon. For those that haven't heard you talk before, a lot of people probably know you from the work that you've done with Meredith Jones on the Veterinary Financial Summit, which just wrapped up last month. I want to ask one little quick question on that when we get things started. But today, we're really going to focus on one of the cool business ventures that you've been a part of with Kronos. And it's something that you've solved or working to solve a major issue within veterinary medicine and I've heard the complaint or the challenges of this specific thing quite a bit. So I'm excited to chat through it. But with all that being said, um, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So you just finished up the second annual Veterinary Financial Summit. Any big takeaways this year? I know you had some significant growth in attendees, which is awesome to hear and see. Again, I think we both have that passion for trying to get those within veterinary medicine to like think about finances a little bit and it doesn't have to be something that's boring and stale and like uninteresting and yeah i just wanted to hear a little bit of kind of takeaways i know you're probably still recovering a little bit but
1: yeah i agree 100 percent. many people tend to think that it's boring and that something will magically happen in their lives that will set them free and that they can retire with And it's not true. People do need to educate themselves and not abdicate their responsibility and at least have some implication in what happens with their finances. And as you said, it doesn't have to be boring. It's actually quite thrilling to see your account grow.
0: So kind of switching gears, we're going to focus the rest of the time on Kronos. A, can you explain to me what the name means? And then B, a little bit about the origin story and maybe what you're trying to address with the business itself.
1: Okay. So Kronos is the god of time. Initially, the idea was to help practitioners save time. We didn't know exactly how. We figured that no matter what we do, it will save headaches in time. And it's really what happened in the end. So a partner and I co-own a general practice in Pennsylvania where I live, which is another side gig since I'm mostly a board-certified surgeon. And we like any reasonable practice owners, realized how stressful the front desk was. And this is pre-COVID, okay? So you need to remember that long ago time where people came into the building. It's a constant battle for receptionists to deal with people live in front of them and people who call. And it's not very good service for neither one. People who are in front of them live are interrupted all the time. And people who call are placed on hold all the time. And when you juggle like that all the time, it makes for a very stressful position, which probably explains the level of turnover. Okay, everybody knows that. We didn't invent it. The difference is that we decided to do something about it. So we came up with the crazy idea of outsourcing the front desk, not to another part of the building, which tends not to work because everybody's shorthanded. So they tend to go get Susie Q, can you just hold this cat so I can draw blood? We don't think it works. So we hired high-end, experienced receptionists nationwide. And when I say receptionists, it's really a figure of speech because some had 10 years experience as a manager or as a nurse or as a receptionist or a receptionist manager. So they were really very highly qualified, very knowledgeable for whatever reason. A number of different life circumstances made them feel that this would be a good fit for them. And I don't want to brag, but we have a bunch of absolute rock stars. So the stress level at the front desk literally plummeted overnight. So that was fairly predictable. We finally had happy receptionists. We elevated, because we didn't need as many, right? So we elevated a few to a new position, which was a technician assistant, which they loved because they could finally interact with patients more. So we solved two problems in one swoop. We made the few CSRs at the front desk happier, even three. We hired, outsourced the front desk to remote receptionists, and we were able to have more assistance when we needed them. Okay. So that was our idea. It was strictly for us at the beginning and then COVID hit and suddenly it was the best idea ever. And we grew like crazy. COVID has been extremely, extremely beneficial to us. And we onboarded some very, very high end practices from, well, one, but we're not going to talk about those necessarily. A few doctors to 30 doctors that morphed into other services because everything we do is customized. So some didn't want CSRs, they wanted a nurse. Some wanted help with their surgery scheduling. Some would have helped to rethink the way they organize their consultation slots, et cetera, et cetera. We even eventually hired a remote manager for one practice. So it's really evolved quite a bit.
0: And so the main issue that you wanted to solve initially was allowing CSRs to focus on the people that were in front of them, take care of those, show them some love, make sure the people that were reaching out, whether they are current clients or potential, to have a great feeling to where they don't feel like, well, shoot, if they can't pick up the call right now, they're obviously too busy to take care of me. Right? You have that bad experience. Maybe they don't even know you, never even came and talked to you and they're going to leave you a nasty review and say, hey, they're terrible. right? What have you seen then just from the interactions in the hospital, in the clinic from a, and again, this is coming back from Isaiah, from a business perspective, I would think that more time spent allowing to follow through on some of the conversations that maybe they've just had with you or other veterinarians or other techs around, hey, this is the care, this is the things that we need to do and like making sure that there's compliance beyond that. Is that true? Oh,
1: it's all right. And I should have said that. Yeah. So very, very good question. So that is one thing we were hoping for, but didn't expect to that degree. In our first full month, our revenue increased by 10%. Again, this is pre-COVID, right? We didn't even know that COVID was a thing. So that was pretty impressive because it didn't seem like a drastic change. And the reason is exactly what you said. It's better rapport with clients, better bond with a client, both on the phone and in person, and increased compliance.
0: Thinking through it, and it makes sense that that would be the case because you can, instead of trying to rush, if I'm up there, right? I'm getting paid hourly. Let's just be candid. I'm just trying to get people out of the way. I'm not thinking of, hey, maybe you do need to make sure we're getting this stuff done. And right or wrong, they may want to do that, but it's like, I don't have the time. I have this thing ringing off the hook, literally. And I just want to get through it because I want to get to the end of the day because I'm just tired. Interesting. So you talked about initially trying to solve for that. Now it's morphed and evolved. What lessons have you learned? Like when I hear custom, I hear, ooh, that seems difficult. How have you managed to make things customized? Because are you having to then go out and then find the talent? Are you having the talent already? And then just marrying the talent that you're able to find with the opportunities. That seems to be the chicken, and the egg, right? Like if someone's coming to you and saying, we need these things, you can't just be having someone there waiting, right? So how do you solve for that? Have you done that? Because that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. And I like that you use the word talent because we really have talented people. I can't say enough good things about our team. They're truly fantastic. So... You're exactly right. From a business standpoint, we can't have 50 people just sitting, getting paid to do nothing. So what we do is that we interview the practice manager, the practice owner. We ask specific questions, figure out what their needs are, or at least what they think they are, because things change over time. And based on what they need, CSRs versus remote manager versus nurses, then we go find them. And as our manager, who's aptly named Star, keeps saying we have an easier time to find talent because clinics look for talent locally. We look for people nationally. So it's actually easier than you would think. And they're out there. There's some fantastic people who, for whatever reason, find that this is a perfect fit for them. So it's a win-win. I mean, to me, this is the ultimate win-win. The patients benefit because of better compliance. The clients on the phone or live for the few who are live benefit because they're treated better the way they should be we have more time to dedicate to them the practice wins and the team is happier i mean it's everybody's happy there's no losers in this equation
0: yeah so i can hear the question that someone's thinking this all sounds amazing right and everything is custom from that standpoint so who's a good fit and maybe who hasn't been a good fit thus far as you've experienced this and gone through so maybe let's talk about success stories and I would assume there's probably been some people that, hey, they wanted something or had a demand or a requirement that just was like, yeah, we're not miracle workers here.
1: So it seems I'm going to try to be as diplomatic as I can. It, it's not necessarily my forte.
0: <laughs> as to say, what I would prefer is like real talk around things that are there, because I think most of the people that are listening that have aspirations to be owners, sometimes the truth hurts and you just need to be told this is what's going on. Like if you are running a business that has a lot of other issues, like outsourcing one thing may not be the silver bullet to solve all the world's problems. But so yeah, don't be afraid if a couple of people get frustrated by it. I think they need to understand who's a good fit and who's not, so. So
1: our analysis of what worked and what hasn't worked as well is that I think we're better suited for larger practices. Solo practitioners who don't have all their systems together we're still evolving. And of course, a lot of that has happened through COVID, right? Everything had to be adapted. But when the systems are not in place, when there's a lot of micromanagement, I don't think we're very good fit because it takes a lot of trust and faith into our service to just delegate it and let us take care of it. The larger practices, they're much more organized And when they're not, then we're there to offer solutions. And we, I can give you examples, very practical, of things we've been able to help with. These practices and these owners and managers are so busy that they don't have to micromanage. So it does take some trust. It does take some training both ways. But once we dial that that in, and this evolves over time because we have monthly uh, meetings with all of them, then it's just a, a better fit, it sounds like. There are solo practitioners out there who are extremely well-organized and systematized, okay? Let's not generalize too much.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to ask like just the definition of larger, because I think that helps where it's typically someone that's already kind of built out systems to make it outside of themselves, where they're not trying to mother hen everything helps. So that is good. You mentioned examples of kind of what you've helped even with getting better structure and processes. I would love to hear those success stories if you're willing to share.
1: So here's a good example. We have a practice in California where they were struggling with the duration of their appointments. And this is in the midst of COVID, right? It's a fantastic practice with amazing systems. I mean, it's almost like a dream practice for most vets. And they had 30-minute appointments. And because of the demand, they had to shrink their appointments. So what we did is that we worked with them to and this was done with nurses not receptionists to provide a lot of client education up front and they were able to see three appointments in an hour instead of two okay which means more clients came through the door more pets were helped and not to be shy about it but the practice made more revenue so again it it was a win-win-win and you multiply that by 10 hours a day Five and a half days a week, it was a significant increase. So they're pretty happy with us.
0: I would say so. Yeah. The return on investment of spending the time and energy to outsource some things, you would absolutely see that. I love that story. And I don't think anyone should ever be shy about running a really good business when you have demand of A, saying, hey, I can raise my prices and make sure I can take care of my team and myself and cover all the different things that you have. And, or do something like this, where if you're going to increase things, you can outsource to make the business better, to increase the the standard of care. Like those are all good things. Making money in and of itself is not a terrible thing. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, but that's a great example. Is there any others that top of mind that you think about?
1: We hired a remote manager for one practice. We were a little bit hesitant because who the heck does that? It was a little bit of a leap of faith for everybody, but it worked extremely well. She happens to be a rock star. She's created an operations manual, which is one of the services we offer. When there was nothing before, it was just a bunch of loose things and 15,000 different binders and online files or file folders. So now we, we can provide a comprehensive operations manual in one single location. There's another service... I'm not sure if you wanted to talk about this necessarily, but we are launching another service, which is a wellness clinic, wellness practice, which is something that absolutely came out of COVID. Another wonderful thing that came out of it, which we created in our general practice to help with the ridiculous demand we had. So it's strictly dedicated to wellness. We ended up cheating a little bit. So, you know, we saw sick patients because we just had to. I'm not sure how much you want to talk about dollars and cents, but it works so well that I think it's a path to practice ownership with a very, very low cost of entry and ridiculous returns.
0: If you're willing, that would be to talk finances on here. Let's unpack that a little bit. So when you think about averages, right, you can look at the different clinics that are out there. And again, it's going to depend on what is your clientele and what you're trying to go after. So VMG, some of the studies there, average, right? Mid-teens to mid-twenties, if you're really a high, high achiever. And I have seen clinics that have been higher than that or around my understanding from other wellness things is that can be, when you're very efficient, significantly higher. Is that something you would say is true?
1: So based on our pro forma, the profit is around 15% which is not too bad, which may not seem too high. Remember, it's a pro pharma. So there's so many variables because rent is going to vary dramatically. Let's talk about this. So this could be a brand new or rented standalone or strip mall concept, or it could even be created inside a practice. And in fact, we're talking to one vet or one practice where they are considering doing it within an existing practice. But I think the model is better suited for an individual practice. So it's impossible to predict the rent in Manhattan, New York versus Manhattan, Kansas. Okay. You can't put that in one single perform, but using averages, we have that. We're playing on 20% for supplies just because that's what the typical KPI is. So 15% profit could be a little bit lower if rent is crazy high. It could be much higher if rent is not very expensive. It can be a very small building. With our model, all you need is two exam rooms, little storage area, a little break area. It's a very simple model. It's a niche. It's ideally one doctor and two nurses. If you're super busy, you could have three nurses. Again, that's a big factor that affects the profitability.
0: The ability to bolt it on to free up time for more of the high dollar things that you can be doing with your time to space out and say, we're going to focus directly on this and you have the wellness piece either bolted on or like you said, within a clinic or somewhere else that you can refer some of that stuff to say, I'm gonna focus here. I go back and think of, it's the dental model, right? Like you have kind of the hygiene and then you have the dentist doing like, they're doing surgery, they're doing implants, they are doing root canal, they're doing all these other things that are higher dollar things where that's where their time's best spent. But it doesn't mean that hygiene's not important. It doesn't mean that people come in, like that's preventive stuff, right? So that's the wellness piece. And then you have the surgeries and all the other stuff going on. It's the same idea and leveraging your team. So I love the idea. So tell me and talk to me a little about just from a, cause I like the idea of this is an approachable way to get into ownership for a young veterinarian. So let's talk about that a little bit.
1: So again, a very simple space is perfect for this. You don't need anything fancy. We're talking to somebody who is considering using these containers you put on a ship.
0: Yeah. Yeah you know? Oh, I love that idea.
1: It's super creative, easy to find, easy to adapt to that because it's the right size for the rooms, the exam rooms, because they're roughly 9 by 9 10 by ten, twelve 10 12 12 So it fits perfectly well. And he loves it so much that he thinks he's going to have at least three or four. And that's the other thing is, I mean, you can easily, I don't know if we can talk about this, but as an owner, operator, pro pharma, Plans for four to five thousand dollars a year gross. Okay, it's not too bad. And this is after paying. When I say gross, it's actually not exactly true. Um, this is after payroll, after supplies, after rent, and after all the CPA slash accounting stuff is taken care of. That's a pretty good revenue. And if somebody's ambitious enough, they can have as many as they want. You know, you could potentially be an owner, non-operator, and have associates.
0: Yeah. And that gets into a whole other topic of recruiting and retaining talent and going that route, right? To find good associates. But yeah, I like the idea and the flexibility. The other thing that I think of with containers and like shoot, you could move those if you ever wanted to and have something that's almost quasi mobile. Like you literally, that's the idea behind the containers, right? So if you had it structured the right way and you could say, hey, we're going to move this. If you had different locations that you wanted to move it around, that's getting into a little bit more of the weeds there. But One of the things that I think another question, kind of going back to Chrono, so kind of switching back to where we were at before, one of the things I can hear people saying, they can say, okay, I think that I am an owner, right? Or I want to be an owner. I'm going to have good processes. So I'm that person. I think, you know, Phil's talking about me. I have good processes. I'm not going to be the micromanager, the person that's going to cause issues. How do I think about if the services are the right fit. And then pricing, if everything's custom, like no one wants to reach out somewhere, right. And be like, Oh, I'm way under expecting pricing. And I know this is like an extremely difficult question to ask because it's like, so what's your price? Cause I personally hate that when it comes to like, call it financial planning, like, Hey, what's your price? Well, what if I do something completely different than someone else does? Like, let's talk services and what you get for it. Right. But how would you encourage someone to think through pricing and like the return on investment. And I'm sure like, as you guys grow, you can have kind of those case studies of this is kind of what happens, but how do you think about pricing today and how should a veterinarian think about outsourcing with spending this and not looking as an expense, but as something that is like a growth element to their business?
1: Yeah, it totally is. We like to think of it this way. It should pay for itself. So it's not an, at least the way we see it and our happy clients see it. It pays for itself. It's not an expense. It's an investment. And our receptionists and managers and nurses are really amazing. I know I keep saying this, but they solve problems. That's the way I look at them. They solve problems. And they sometimes find problems that the practice owner or manager didn't really identify. And then we bring them to the surface and then we discuss them and we solve them. So on the spot, it would be hard for me to remember specific examples, but sometimes it's you're about to authorize this refill, but are you aware that this pet hasn't had blood work in X number of months when you require it every six months? Because we know what their SOPs are. We know all their protocols. So if they want blood work every six months before an NSAID refill or whatever, a seizure medication, thyroid medication, and there hasn't been any blood work for blood work for eleven months, well, they notice that or you're about to refill this medication, but you haven't seen this patient in three years. Oops, so they catch
0: things like that. Yeah, I think that's good. What's something that I maybe haven't asked about yet that's super important for folks to understand about the offering and you can take that any way you want?
1: Isaiah, all your questions are perfect.
0: Now you're just buttering me up. The services, when I just kind of went through the website, I will link to the website for everyone that's thinking like, "Hey, how do I learn more?" And I always ask at the end, but the website will be linked. There is a lot of stuff that you guys have added on there that, when someone looks, that they're like, "Oh, that's the thing that I want," because there's, I don't know, twenty five, maybe twenty. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that you all are doing, which is really incredible. To think about saying, I can do these different things versus saying, hey, we have package one, package two, package three. And you might be like, well, I don't really fit any of those packages. Do you have a package 2.5? That I think is helpful. And anyone that is stretched right now, right? If I'm a practice owner, California example you gave, we just don't have enough time. And I can think of a couple of people that will listen to this and think, oh yeah, that's me. Looking at this as one of those offerings of how can I grow without going out and, and finding and hiring more people and adding more headcount? Because this isn't adding more headcount. This is literally outsourcing stuff. You're getting a team member without having to bring it in-house, which is pretty cool to think about. But I feel like I kind of answered my question (laughs) for you. Dang it, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but to comment on your question, that's what we do. We hire, we train to our standards. We train to the practice standards. We occasionally fire. It's rare because we're so selective. So we're talking about cost. Well, the cost includes everything the cost normally would be at a practice, which is the wages, the benefits, and we have pretty solid benefits. By the way, we're hiring. And it's a whole bunch of worries the practice manager owner does not have to worry about. We literally outsource the whole thing, especially now. Everybody knows that it's next to impossible to recruit. We're in a fortunate situation that we're able to recruit nationwide, as I said earlier. So we remove a whole bunch of headaches from the equation, from the practice standpoint.
0: And I would think especially, and I've talked about on this podcast a lot too, like I think there's a fantastic opportunity in more rural areas that are maybe outside of big metro, especially if I'm a younger person wants to own, you can still have top tier talent and be rural. Like to me, that's a killer combination. So think about this there as being a way that you might not be able to build out the whole entire team, but you can get some of the pieces and then look to a service like this to outsource and keep adding on and say, yeah, they're absolutely part of the team, but they're just not sitting in the same location. For people just thinking of finding talent, to your point, there are tons of talented people around the country. They just have reasons where they need to be home. And it can be health-related, it can be family-related. There's so many things where they want to do great work, they just haven't had the opportunity. So I think it's awesome that there's services like this that you can hire and let those people do their best work.
1: Yeah, and to your point, we have allowed people who normally would have left the profession which they love but they couldn't work as a traditional brick and mortar facility for exactly the reasons you said family health etc etc in thanks to chronos they were able to stay in the profession and help practice six states away
0: lastly as we kind of wrap up and think through and this might be dangerous since you know me a little bit better but i've thrown these questions out before but is there anything, I always like guests ask me a question, so this can go anywhere, creative question has, can be nothing to do with what we talked about or could be something that's very specific to this dialogue. What questions would you have to ask or would want to know?
1: There's one thing I've never heard you talk about.
0: Uh, oh, boy. See, I said this is dangerous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear about your team. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about your team before.
0: Yeah. So from a team perspective, one of the things that I would say is, and it hasn't been officially announced yet, and he's going to be on the podcast at some point, is we've added Dr. Ryan Koopmans to our team. And so he is working clinical medicine in California right now. We're going to get his whole story. We're going to go into all that. But I'm super excited because he's basically done his master's in financial planning and was just interested. We connected on LinkedIn in 2019 and we've talked and gotten to know each other for a long time. And with the merger that I did back in August of 2020 to move from kind of solo Isaiah into a team and a partnership with my business partner, Josh Bennett, that started to allow us to then go out and start to hire and grow. And so that's been really great. Ryan is one of the latest additions to that. And he is obviously very specific in wanting to work within veterinary medicine. And for me, that was amazing because it's hard to find folks in my industry that want and have a passion. But also Ryan brings something that no one else does, which is he sat in a seat for 10 years and done it in a practice. And I am so excited to have him on the team and really looking forward to, to sharing that. But that to me just kind of continues to strengthen our focus on veterinary medicine. And again, talk about getting to brag on people. It's fun to brag on others. It's like, you don't want to do it on yourself, but when he has his CFP, which he'll sit for his exam, he has all the coursework and all that stuff done. It's be the first DVM fee only CFP in the whole country. Like, I think that's really powerful and maybe someone else will get there before, but I I think that's amazing. So there is myself and Josh Bennett. So we merged again, August last year, we met at the beginning of 2020, both wanted to build a bigger business. For me, I had a very specific focus of who I wanted to continue to work with, but I love working with other advisors to like expand what we can do just as like, what's the process? How do you take care of people? What is Good financial planning and advice and guidance, like all that stuff. Right. And there are lots of good people, similar to what you said, that want to do this, but are stuck in a job or a spot where they can't do their best work because of large corporate America saying, This is how you do it. And so I love the kind of recruiting side. And I kind of taken on some of that role internally from an admin side and been very blessed and fortunate to go out and find really awesome people. So now there are three other advisory facing CFPs or soon to be CFPs on our team. So there's Tim, Travis and Richard. And then we have Renee, who is actually an intern when I was back at Merrill Lynch back in 2017, that we've stayed in touch. And so she joined our team and she's getting her experience. She's starting to do more advisory work, but we're grooming her slower just because we wanted her to learn and, and do it the right way. And so she's working a lot with Josh. And then we have an intern from Butler, which Butler University is downtown Indy. And so we got very fortunate to have a really amazing young guy named Steiner, he reached out cold and said, Hey, I'm looking for internships for fee-only firms. Like I know that this is the way to do it. And we weren't looking for an intern. And I was like, shoot, I like how he held himself, like good on the phone. I was like, I like this guy. Like I'm going to give him a shot. Like we can build an internship program. I told him like, give me a little time. We'll make it happen. And so he'll come on full-time in December. And we have an operations person that is like the glue person behind the scenes. So talking about process, that's one thing as much as I love doing the podcast and talking and being able to do client facing stuff process. It's not Isaiah strong soon. I know that. And that was part of why I wanted to merge too, is like for me to do my best work, I need someone behind the scenes to make everything go. Tom is that guy for us. He has no desire to ever do client facing. You would never catch him dead wanting to like put his face out there. He loves just doing everything behind the scenes, but it's amazing to have that person. And so for us being able to grow and then bring in experts. So like, today before this call, Richard on our team travels a ton and has done that a lot. And I had a client that really wants to get do more of that. And so I was like, Hey, Richard, can you come on the call and talk to him? And, you know, he talked with this client and his wife and just shared like his experiences and thoughts and feedback. And so for us, it's like building a organizational culture that is collaborative, but also like has fun while we do it. And that's really important to build a team that is diverse in thoughts and opinions and and where we stand. And we don't always see the world in the same way, which is fine. Like you can have really good relationships and have very different opinions. And that's great. Like I want that. I don't need nine other Isaiahs. It'd be a terrible place to work. Let me tell you, it'd be (laughs) awful. Like we would not, it would not go well. I need other people to balance that out. And so, yeah, our team is amazing. I kind of echo what you talked about with different things. I like the human element of what we do. I like to go tell people and talk to them when they are saying a lot of the same things. They want to get out of having 300 clients and it all being about a bunch of calls and just getting to the next person and closing the next thing and closing the next thing to getting to where you can build real relationships and take care of people. Like to me, that's the dream. And so for me, the more that I can a do that myself and eventually I know this and that's partially why the team's growing. I'm not going to be able to work with all the clients because I'm going to do more business specific, you know, behind the scenes stuff where I won't be as client facing as I am right now. That's going to be part of it and i know that it hurts a little bit but i do love the ability to work and kind of grow and mentor the team which is a weird thing to say as someone that's 31 years old to say that you mentor other people but i do like that and i want to continue to do more of it as we grow so it's a very long-winded answer it's a fantastic fantastic question there's probably lots of podcasts that could be recorded just about thoughts on that but i've talked with clients recently about documenting their mission, vision, values. And I will give credit where credit is due to a previous guest, David Bessler from Veg. I think they do a fantastic job at really doing that. And candidly, this podcast helped me. Like Hearing that really stuck with me when I talked to him. I was like, it's all up here in my mind. I just haven't verbalized it. And we talk to everyone that's hired, but we need to really do a better job internally at hammering home the key things that we want to do and just making sure our culture is there and that it's very aware and it's going to attract the right people and it's going to push other people away and that's okay we don't need people that don't fit that and we have had one person that was I think would do a fantastic job I just culturally didn't think it was going to be the right fit I told him that it it was kind of hard it kind of stunk because I think he could do really well it just culturally was I felt like it was going to be more about him as an individual versus us and I think we need a collective and yeah so yeah, that's probably the longest answer to a question I've had at the end of a podcast, but hopefully there's something there that someone took away that was helpful. Great question. Somebody to take care of operations is critical.
1: Everybody needs that.
0: Yeah, the operations was probably the fourth hire. So it was myself, Josh, Tim, and then we hired an operations person, which typically in my industry, people don't do that for a long time. For us, it's like, hey, if we want to grow, think about the end. Where are you trying to go to? Not where you're at today. So you need to spend the money on getting people there and it's, you're not going to hire someone in the first week. They're going to get everything. It takes time. It takes a lot of time to get people really functioning in the groove of knowing things and understanding it. And also being able to do what you talked about of saying, well, why are you doing it that way? Oh yeah, actually, that's great. Please tell me that. Like, I want to get better. So um, operations is huge. Yeah. And it's funny
1: that you talked about mission, vision, core values, because we have worked on that within Kronos as well. So, and we refined our core values recently. So now we have four. And since you asked, thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So the acronym is PICK, P-I-C-K. So passion, and they all are passionate for sure. Integrity, which is critical to us. Communication, it's everything we do. And knowledge, and they are all super rockstar, knowledgeable people. So passion, integrity, communication,
0: knowledge. I love that. Man, that was very well crafted. You got to ask me a question where it ended up turning up into another really good question <laughs> back to you. That's like next level thinking. I said polymath. I'm telling you people. As we close, and I talked about it, I will link to the website. But for those that are interested to say, hey, I want to explore this, or maybe I am interested in like figuring out what could be a good fit. What's the process? How do you start? Where would you send them? What's the words of wisdom that you would share?
1: We make it easy. there's a button on the website that says discovery call so the website is chronos ch chronos l l c dot owners or managers are interested they can chat with our our managers and see if uh,
0: there's a fit perfect yeah and I give you credit when you have a big scheduled discovery session and that is story brand marketing just kind of the top left right did you go through the story brand process the website when you built it because it looks like that and it's that's what you want it's great it's laid out very well. So props. thank you.
1: did hire professionals.
0: Yeah, they definitely are taking a page from that book, but it's a way that really good websites are made. So it caught my eye because I think I've looked at that from our perspective with our personal website as well as redesign and do things. So yeah, if you missed the discovery call button, I don't know what to tell you. It's probably not (laughs) going to be the right fit. Sorry. (laughs) So as we come to kind of the tail ends, what's a question maybe that I haven't asked that's really important for someone to understand in regards to Kronos? So
1: it actually goes back to another question you asked, which is who is it for and who is it not for? Again, from experience, I think the people who don't get us see this as a math equation, which is I can hire Susie Q who came out of high school for $12 and I can train her in two weeks. No, I'm sorry. I can train her in two days to be my CSR. If that's the math, 12 plus a couple of bucks in benefits, and free lunches, it's just not going to work because what we provide is so much more, so much more experience and knowledge. And again, we outsource an entire set of, of uh, problems within the practice. There is definitely value added there. And of course, it has a price. So I think we're reasonable, uh, certainly for practices in New York State and California. It's a no brainer because it's not $12 in the high 20s sometimes. Okay. So when I said earlier, it pays for itself, sometimes we're cheaper. So we probably should raise our prices actually.
0: Phil, thank you so much for carving off time to chat on this and share. I do think there'll be a number of people that will want to get in touch and chat and thank you so much for the time.
1: Well, thank you very much. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should now be taken as investment tax or legal advice.